Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Buck Sanders and the preeminent reporter for the last seven years. When they discuss the NCAA and North Carolina case, Greg Barnes, your name will be mentioned. I'm going to bring you in first because after seven long years, seven years, three months, this case finally appears over. Your take when you saw the report this morning. Well, on a personal level, is, is the curse over, right? Can we, as, as I see, can we finally move past this, this cloud? When I signed up for this job back in 07, this is not what I had in mind. But it, it appears as though this whole ordeal has come to a conclusion. It, it's interesting in talking with Carol Folt and Bubba Cunningham uh, over the years, and especially uh, especially on Friday, they thought that when you looked at the NCAA case and you looked at the bylaws and you applied those bylaws, and then you looked at all the facts involved with what happened, that ultimately you would get to this position where the NCAA, either by its own merits or by help from an outside agency in the form of possibly a, a judge, would reach the conclusion that, yep, while things happen that North Carolina is not proud of, they do not fall under the jurisdiction of the NCAA. Uh, and I think the fact that the NCAA Committee on Infractions hearing panel came to that same conclusion is probably a little shocking to everybody. It's shocking to me because a little over a year ago, when the NCAA issued a second notice of allegations, that was something that I thought North Carolina could, could live with. And they could take that to the hearings panel and uh, have a good argument, and we'll probably you know, get a slap on the wrist, but be on their merry way. And then Greg Sankey decided to get involved, and he uh, encouraged the enforcement uh, staff to revisit their allegations, to expand it. He wanted to make more use of the Weinstein report. And by those actions, I didn't think there was any way we got through Friday with not even a slap on the wrist, that North Carolina would uh, be found you know, uh, pretty much free and clear of all this mess. So that's really the surprise to me, not that we actually got to this final decision, but that it came so soon without having to go through appeal or even possibly taking this to court. But when I saw it this morning, I can't repeat what my verbal reaction was, but it it was a shock, to put it mildly. Like Greg says, there is no way, and nobody that I talk to and nobody that would listen to me talk about it 
thought anything other than Carolina was going to get the hammer when this first came down, and then eventually it would get cleaned up. But for it to happen as it did, uh, pretty shocking given all that the NCAA has done and been involved with with North Carolina over the past seven years. Your take? Well, uh, before I answer that question, I want you to repeat to me and to the audience how you found out about the NCAA's first appearance on campus at UNC in 2010, seven years and three months ago. Go. So, so see, I was going to open the show like that, but you thought it kind of corny. But, Greg, what I was going to do is I was going to set the stage when we opened this podcast, and I was going to say it was a beautiful day. The waves crashed. <laughs> the sand was perfect. The sun was beautiful. Emerald Isle is where you uh, were. Emerald Isle, the water. As I watched my five- and seven-year-olds play in the sand and in the surf, my phone buzzed, and it was Greg Barnes telling me that the NCAA was in Chapel Hill and on campus. And I was going to turn to you, Greg, in this podcast and say, as my ninth grader and seventh grader wrap up their first grading period in their respective school years, we're finally done. Buck, that was it. I tried to set it up perfectly. Not great of a storyteller, but give us your reaction. Well, you know, the the takeaway here, I think, is that for Tar Heel Nation, there's multiple emotions going on, and there's shock, there's shade and Freud, there's relief, and, I, I you know, I think there's re- emotions going on throughout the, the Tar Heel Nation, and the one for me that initially hit me was shock, because, as you said, And as Greg sort of alluded to, nobody at Chapel Hill in any position of authority in the administration or anywhere else thought they would get to 10.07 or whatever it was when that tweet came out with no penalties whatsoever. All this week, Greg and I and Ben and other people have been messaging back and forth about, well, what if this happens? What would North Carolina do? And talking with people, you know, in at UNC and, and asking them, well, what's your position and what are you thinking? And not a single person that I know have talked to probably in the last seven years thought that we would get to Friday the 13th of uh, 2017 and the NCA would say no harm, no foul. And so th- that's the primary thing that hit me first was a shock of it all. I-, I never in my wildest dreams thought that North Carolina would get out of this with zero penalties. The, the relief part, I think is probably the most important though o- over the long term, because now North Carolina can move forward with not having to worry about postseason bans, not having to worry about and, and the range of punishments that we've all heard, the banners coming down, vacated wins, multiple postseason bans, multiple scholarships in men's football and basketball stripped away. I mean, we've all heard those possible draconian and, and for us for North Carolina not have to experience those moving forward. 
is amazing. And, and the, the one other emotion that, that got me a little bit today is in Carol Folt's letter, she was talking about multiple things, but towards the end, she talked about the current student athletes at North Carolina. And if you think about it, every single one of these guys came to North Carolina knowing full well there was some potential that they wouldn't be allowed to go to a bowl game, they wouldn't be allowed to participate in March Madness, that you know, they might not be able to recruit players to, to help them in there, you know, to be a part of their team. We lost Buck, technical issues. Hope he'll come back and join us in a minute. But, Greg, saying all of that and what we're talking about here of what's happened today, make no mistake, and I tweeted about this, and I fully believe it, North Carolina's been punished over the last seven years, three months, with this cloud. And it's affected recruiting in all the sports. It's affected uh, the fan base. It's affected multiple things that go along with college athletics. So, yes, it ends today with no specific announced punishments. But the last seven years, this university has suffered. Yeah, no doubt, Tom. And it's going to continue because it, it continues to baffle me in listening to the NCAA's teleconference, which had a lot of national media on it. The number of national media who don't understand the bylaws. They don't understand how this court, this uh, case is kind of played out. Uh, you know, one person called in and, and couldn't quite figure out why the enforcement staff and the Committee on Infractions weren't in agreement. As if to say, it's the same people, what's the deal? And as we all know, anybody listening to this, that's not the case. These are different bodies. And so I think because of that, because of that lack of awareness and the lack of kind of education on the matters, it's going to continue. And there's going to be a backlash in the you know, next couple of weeks about how UNC got off on the technicality, which is false, how they skated, all these different types of things. But to your point, the cloud has been lifted. And um, while they're still going to have a little bit of negative press coming out of this, there is not that, that anvil hanging above. You know, that's one of the things Roy Williams talked about years ago was that one of the biggest issues in recruiting is the lack of definition, you know, this, the unknown of when a kid asks you, what's going to happen? Well, I don't know. And you can offer suggestions, but opposing teams are plentiful, and they can offer equally negative suggestions. Oh, they're going to get hit hard. They're going to be you know, death penalty. And so now that North Carolina says, hey, we've got a document saying they're not going to hit us with anything because they can't, and because we're free and clear uh, with the incidental infractions process, that changes everything. And you know, Larry Fedora mm -hmm. has been here since December of 2011, and he has yet to recruit a day without NCAA hanging over his head. And uh, the fact that he gets to, to make that move, uh, he gets to kind of see what he can do in the recruiting trail. Roy Williams, now that he's got that and he's got the, you know, the FBI Adidas stuff, which is going to, you would think, would, would slow down um, some of the obstacles that he's encountered on the recruiting trail. A lot of positives for North Carolina uh, forthcoming. 
and it's still going to be a little bit of a bumpy road you know, here in the, in the short term. But the fact that this is over and we're not talking about an appeals process, which is four months long, or a court case possibility, which could go three years long, uh, I think that's that's cause for, for celebration for, for UNC fans, for sure. But while you stepped out for a minute, I told Greg and I asked Greg about, you know, North Carolina's been punished over the last seven years, and they felt the effects of that. A couple interesting tweets I saw, and Buck, I know you're not a big, huge fan of Twitter, but Michael Switzer, of course, Ryan Switzer's dad, talked about my son committed in the ninth grade or, or committed right in the midst of all this NCAA stuff, played his entire career worrying about or with the thought that the NCAA could finally come down and put an end to one of his seasons, maybe a senior season. But Dewey Burke texted me, and we'll have Dewey on Sunday to talk about it, but Dewey said, no NCAA and no Adidas money or, or shoe money to affect recruiting now. See what basketball recruiting does now as we go forward. To Greg's point, Larry Fedora uh, will have a few more obstacles, but he won't have that big NCAA one over his head, and that's going to be huge, I think, um, because it's it sort of neuters a big part of that negative recruiting that some local schools and surrounding state schools used against the Carolina football program, your take. Well, you know, that's absolutely true. And I think one thing to keep in mind, and, and Greg can chime in on this as well, that football recruiting is different than basketball recruiting. North Carolina is capable of going all over the nation to recruit basketball players. Primarily, football rec- uh, relies upon players that are within, a, say, a 200-mile radius of Chapel Hill. I mean, and, and that's the same for most everybody. There are a few schools like Notre Dame and maybe Stanford, a few others that can recruit nationally for one reason or another. But for most schools, you're relying on talent within your recruiting footprint. Well, North Carolina's recruiting footprint also happened to be where the majority of the negative press coverage was coming from. North Carolina daily newspapers all over the state, from Charlotte to Raleigh, you name it, those were the people that kept the this controversy in the news. And and these guys saw it all the time. And and since you and I and Tommy and Tommy and Greg and all of us live in the same area, we know what that coverage was like. We saw it every day. And and these this is the same coverage that these guys grew up watching in football. So uh, to have that off of their that foot off of their neck should allow them to do a better job of recruiting, especially within North Carolina and those border regions close to them. Greg, it sort of reminds me like when you watch Survivor and they're trying to make fire and they're blowing on it and trying to get it to work and get it to light up so bad. That's what I feel like has been the local media of late and over the last few years. I'm sure that will continue, but those those guys have dwindled in the past. You know, it's, the landscape is changing. And to Buck's point, yes, our local media here in North Carolina and surrounding areas but to your point as well, the national guys, you see them on you know, ESPN or on some of the other big websites, 
they had just clueless as to the facts of the case, but they just wanted their pound of flesh. How do you see that changing, um, or do you see this, you know, leaving the limelight anytime soon? How do you think it plays out? I do think it will uh, kind of leave the the forefront sooner than later, just because you know, college basketball is about to start, and so we'll hear a lot about it as that begins. But as we get into the fall, and and football kind of picks up, and we get into the the meat of basketball season. A lot of this will kind of uh, move to the back burner, and I, I have voiced my frustration to a number of national writers over the years about this case. And yeah, it's, let me say this: I expect fans and readers and listeners of radio shows or whatever to not be fully informed. It is not their job to have the full knowledge of how all this stuff plays out. That is our job as media to provide accurate information on all these things that happen. So, you know, I'll never get upset with fans that, that miss certain points here and there. I mean, rival fan bases, uh, fans of the team you cover, you however it may be. That's part of the deal. But when national media types swoop in for a hot take and don't take the time to understand, and they take the Weinstein report and say, hey, the NCAA just has to take this and hammer UNC. Without knowing what that means, that's irresponsible. And so I've voiced that concern to national media over the years, and their eyes just kind of glaze over because I start talking about the details and how bylaws matter and all this stuff. They don't care. And I don't, I don't know how that changes. And that's, that's something that bothers me, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, so I don't know that we're going to see a lot of adjustment and a lot of change on that front. But the fact that it is over, the fact that there is a ruling, you're still going to see it be brought up. Um, but you know, North Carolina has this document to say, hey, we did not violate any NCAA bylaws. And Greg Sankey made a point in that document to say, well, we would like to be able to hit them, but we can't. Um, so you may see some some conversation within the NCAA ranks of maybe adjusting how they handle academic cases. But the fact of the matter is the NCAA has never been in a position and will never be in a position to walk into a classroom and determine what is and what is not acceptable. That was the crux of this case. And unfortunately, more media members didn't understand that. Yeah, that speaks to really how media has gone over the last few years is that nobody cares about the facts they just care about the hot takes and it hurts frankly guys like you uh, that do it the right way and there's a few others out there but you we can see from the reaction since 10 a.m this morning how it's how it's it's just the way it is with the media it's tough to to get a non-biased opinion because they, a lot of them just seem not to care. But I wanted to ask you this before we wrap this quick podcast, and we certainly will be back um, Sunday or so with a more um, more voices to discuss it, maybe the basketball recruiting guys and Dewey Burke said he'd join me. But, Buck, do you think um, this could be the, the end of the NCAA? Or, or do you think that they sort of save face some other way because with this FBI investigation and this big NCA thing with North Carolina, I mean, 
there's going to have to be some significant changes in the process, I think, for them to exist as an effective body, if they have been effective, you know, going forward. Uh, to Greg's point, you know, there, there's not many national writers that want to get down in the weeds, you know, and, and get into the, you know, roll their sleeves up, get into, you know, the details of the case. But here's the thing that is a little bit mind-boggling in some ways, which is that the crux of the case, and and Greg said it in terms of there were these bogus classes or these classes that weren't up to snuff and stuff like that. Well, I don't look at it that way. The narrative that got jumped on was that North Carolina created these classes solely for the purpose of keeping football and basketball players eligible to play. And and after six internal investigations, three notice of allegations, a three-year-long because they reopened their investigation in 2014 into this specific topic. Three-year-long investigation, those internal investigations, three notices of uh, allegations, the whole nine yards, they get to the end of the day and they can't say, they have no evidence that the University of North Carolina created these classes for the purpose of keeping athletes eligible and those classes weren't available to the general student population. There's no evidence of that. There's never been any evidence of that. And that's, I think, the problem. It's not that they wouldn't get down in the weeds. They wouldn't address the basic question which is, were these classes created by the university to keep athletes eligible? And the answer to that has always been no. At least there's no evidence, and Greg can speak to this as well. There's been like, they, they, they've eradicated entire forests in North Carolina filing freedom of information requests into emails, texts, documents, anything you could possibly think of. And where did anybody come up with a single piece of evidence that said that these classes were created, developed to keep athletes eligible? There's none of that. And and that's the point that I think that the national media's meeting is missing and that the local media missed. I think the NCAA does have to reinvent itself a little bit, Tommy. The... FBI investigation into the shoe controversy, the uh, all of that, that's going to have a much bigger impact on the NCAA than the North Carolina case ever thought about having. Um, the The North Carolina case, give it, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, three months, it's going to be the same boring, tedious, tiresome, rehash of whatever it was this fbi thing is a lot sexier let's just face it i mean people paying a hundred grand to a recruit to come to their school for one year 
and people getting indicted and could go to jail and may want to not go to jail and therefore talk to the FBI about other people that might be involved in the same activity. I think the, the basketball investigation is going to have a much bigger impact on the NCAA than the North Carolina case ever did. And at some point we'll have Rob Harrington on to talk about that because he could talk for days about it. But no, I, I don't think that the, the NCAA can exist without reinventing itself. They need to. But I think the, the primary driver of that is going to be the basketball investigation, not the North Carolina investigation. Great points there, Buck. Always enjoyed listening to you uh, spin on the NCAA matter. It's fun to talk to you about it, Greg. You know, I'm not blowing smoke up you, but you've worked hard over the last seven years, three not months. Not too much, Tommy. Go easy. Go easy. <laughs> covering this stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to believe that they finally made a decision. We'll see what happens going forward. Greg and I will be at WCHL tailgate show, Inside Carolina tailgate show at the Carolina Club tomorrow. We'll probably talk more about this subject. Uh, but we'll talk to you Sunday about the Carolina-Virginia football game. That's going to do it for this edition. We'll be back plenty of times more with reaction and discussion. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.